This podcast is brought to you by Blackbee Ministries International. To find out more, visit blackbee.org. Well, welcome back to the Richard Blackaby Leadership Podcast. Welcome, if it's your first time, to the Leadership Podcast. My name is Sam, and I'm your host. And here we try to take our leadership to the next level, and helping us do that is Dr. Richard Blackaby. I'll do the best I can, Sam. All right. Well, that's all that we can. That's all that we can request of you. Um, today on the podcast, we want to dive right into the issue of processing, and uh, what does that mean, and and how can that be helpful to us. Yeah, Sam, you know, a lot of people will surprise you. They'll, you might be in a room and people are brainstorming about something or trying to solve a problem and everybody is kind of coming at it in a similar uh, vein. And then all of a sudden there's someone who's been thinking about it as well on their own or, and, and they, they come up with an entirely different perspective, a fresh uh, approach a breakthrough approach and everyone thinks, wow, this person's a genius and maybe they are. But oftentimes I found that uh, when you find someone that just sees things differently, they may be wired with a very creative mind, maybe a, a unconstant, you know, const, uh, unconventional sort of approach. But uh, sometimes it's just that they've been giving a certain kind of thought to a problem or a possibility and they end up in places that others don't. Uh, my dad certainly was that way. He uh, always had a notepad and a Bible at easy reach. He'd be sitting in his chair in his uh, maybe in the living room. He'd have a Bible in one hand. He'd have a, a always had a notepad in the other. And he, every day he'd write on his notepad the date of that day, and then what issues that he was processing. He was thinking about. And uh, could be a crisis that was happening in the world, maybe a uh, you know, major uh, event that all the, the newscasters were debating and discussing on the TV. Um, it could just be a situation in his own life, a problem that uh, his church or his ministry was facing. Um, maybe it was just an issue in his own life, and he was just trying to think through and pray through what the answer was. But uh, now we have... Uh, boxes and boxes of those notepads and uh, notes that dad wrote over the years. Mm. Uh, and uh, I've kind of looked through them over the years here and there. I need to just take some extended time and really work through a bunch of those notes that uh, he was putting his thoughts down in. But, uh, but I call this processing. That's what my dad often would say when people would say, what's the key to successful leadership? What's the key to insights into how God's word applies to our life? And he would often say, well, people don't process. Uh, we're people of action. We want to get to it. We want to call a meeting. We want to take, take steps, uh, start working. But, but there's a certain price that's paid to take time to really think through uh, the options, uh, the possibilities, what finding what God has to say. And my dad would call that processing. Um, and, you know, there's an interesting uh, story in the Gospels where uh, Jesus is feeding the 5,000 and uh, it's a long day. He's been teaching for a long time. Then he, he breaks up enough bread and fish to feed 5,000 people. And by the time they've distributed all of that, the, the disciples are exhausted. And he actually tells them, you guys go ahead and get in a boat and sail to the other side. You need, 
you need a break. But Jesus stays behind and he, he personally sends the crowd away. But then it says he climbed up a mountain. And it's interesting because he had to have been the most tired of all the disciples. But uh, he sends the crowd away and then he climbs up a mountain and he spends time with God. And, and I really believe that he is, he's certainly praying, but, uh, but I think he's, he's talking through with God what just happened. That, in many ways, that was a high point of his ministry at that point. It was, in one sense, perhaps the greatest miracle he'd done to that point. And John's gospel says that uh, the people all wanted to forcibly make him their king at that point. Mm. Uh, and so there's also great temptations that have come along with great success. And and so Jesus just feels like, well, I know we need to get moving on. I know we've got appointments to keep. We've got uh, to get to the other side of this uh, Sea of Galilee. But before I do anything more, I just really need to get along with God, the Father, and and process what's happened. Make sure I'm on track. Make sure I haven't been uh, turned aside somehow by new opportunities. People are trying to tell me how good I am and I should be their king. And uh, and so I just need time to think this all through. Uh, and of course, the interesting thing that follows in Mark's gospel is that uh, while Jesus is praying on the mountain and aligning himself right where he needs to be with his father, the disciples sail straight into a storm and they're panicking and they're not at their best. And Jesus appears in the midst of the storm, gets in the boat with them, calms the storm. And, uh, and you see an enormous contrast between someone who keeps checking in with his father, making sure that he's walking in sync with him. And then the disciples who could be frenetically working hard for God one moment and then as they're kind of racing off to the next assignment, they're, they're unprepared for what, what they sail right into. And so, you know, as I've thought about this processing, there's lots of examples in business as well as ministry where uh, some people just took more time to think through what was going on. You know, I, I think about people like Milton Hershey, and we've talked about him before, but, but he had basically the most successful caramel-making business in America um, and everything is going great. He's got a big company. He's making lots of money. But the more he thinks about the business, uh, and his business is making caramels, he begins to realize, yeah, but uh, uh, milk chocolate, I think, is making a move, and it looks to me like it's going to be bigger than caramels one day. And he, he sells his very successful caramel-making uh, candy uh, in uh, factory, uh, at its peak, he just walks away from it. Everyone thinks he's crazy, but he makes a shift and it's not a careless shift. It's not just a leap in the dark. He's, he's been processing, he's been looking and examining and, uh, and he's a man of faith. He's, um, uh, and I think that he just finally realizes, um, I, I, the future doesn't look like it's going to be as bright for caramels as it is for milk chocolate. I'm making a change. Uh, and of course you look back later and you say that was brilliant. Uh, he became the biggest chocolate maker in the world. Uh, how did he know that? Well, he didn't know the future, but he had processed enough, studied enough that he 
felt like it was a wise move to, to make the shift. Well, other people are, are investing even more heavily in caramels. He's uninvesting. He's divesting and moving into something else. Yeah. Um, and that happens often. You know, I was thinking about John Rockefeller when uh, the government finally stepped in and charged him with antitrust and forced him uh, to uh, separate all of his various uh, entities that he that belonged to Standard Oil and they they thought here's the biggest company in America we're we've bested him we're going to uh divide it all up uh by state and so on and so they're going to take one company and divide it up into about 38 different companies and they think they ruined him and people actually caught him out on the golf course when this was happening they said what's your advice what do you think and he kind of looked up uh, from before he drove the ball and he said, uh, invest in Standard Oil. And what everyone else is thinking, oh, that's it's a sinking ship. Uh, he knew well enough to know that uh, uh, because he owned the same percentage of all 38 companies and he knew that he had uh, they were all undervalued, that he had all kinds of equity and resources tied up in every one of them. And as soon as those 38 companies went out onto the open stock market, he made a fortune, basically became a billionaire. And so what everyone else is thinking yeah. is the worst disaster that could possibly befall him. He's laughing all the way to the bank and realizes what everyone else thinks is my downfall is actually going to make me the first billionaire in American history. And so you look at some of these people, whether it's in... Uh, Christian work uh, who, that come up with new approaches uh, or in the marketplace, taking time to think through carefully what's happening uh, in your business, in your leadership uh, can make a huge difference. And so I thought we'd just talk a bit, Sam, about that. And um, some of the ways, some of the things in particular that you need to process. Um, and I suspect that anyone listening to this podcast there are some, if, if you were to sit across the table from me, I could uh, talk with you about some areas of your leadership right now that needs processing, that you would benefit from taking some time just to get out a notepad and your Bible and sit down with God and just say, God, here's some things I need to really prayerfully think through. Um, and so let me just mention a couple and we can kind of talk about this. One, of course, is just failures. Uh, Failures provide a gold mine of wisdom, of insight, of humility, uh, if you'll take time to process them. It's mm -hmm. been often said uh, that experience does not lead to wisdom, but reflecting on your experience leads yeah. to wisdom. And so um, you can have all kinds of experiences that are just heavy laden with leadership lessons to be learned, but you have to process them uh, to get them. And and so there's times where if you've experienced a failure, uh, you've got to ask yourself some questions. Sit down with a notepad and ask yourself, so what, what can I learn about myself after having gone through that failure? What, what does that reveal about my character? What does that reveal about the way I conduct myself, the way I prepare, uh, the way I present myself, uh, the way I work with others? Um, and there's lots of questions you could ask that said this, this, uh, this failure happened for a reason. And I suspect that some of the reason has to do with me. So if I don't want to fail again, at least not in this way, 
uh, I've got to learn some lessons. Uh, what, what does it teach me about uh, others? Uh, maybe I was too trusting. Maybe I wasn't trusting enough. Maybe I meddled. I should have delegated. Uh, maybe I didn't check sources. Maybe I didn't follow up and hold people accountable. Maybe I didn't communicate clearly enough. Uh, and, and people were kind of working in the dark on my behalf. Uh, there's lots of questions that you can just sort of, just sort of jot them down on a piece of paper and then just prayerfully think through, consider each one. And maybe it's questions about just the process in general. Um, and just say, uh, well, this is how we've always done it, but it, it, it led to failure. So what needs to change so that we have a process that leads to success instead? Um, maybe this process makes my staff compete against each other instead of working together. Uh, maybe it makes heroes of certain people and treats others with disrespect. Uh, maybe it, ca- it, it, it motivates people to not communicate, not share the knowledge they have, uh, to work in silos. Uh, and so I would just, w- when you have a failure, you can just sit there and, and, and have a whole series of questions you just, you think through carefully and say, uh, unless I am ready to experience the same failure over and over again, uh, I really need to carefully think through this and make whatever adjustments I need to make so that I'm not, we're not going to do things the same way that we've done before. Absolutely. Well, let's take a quick break here, and we'll pick up in a minute. This fall, we've got two opportunities to attend the Spiritual Leadership Coaching Workshop that Blackaby Ministries offers uh, each year. Normally, we just have one in the fall uh, in Jonesboro, but this year we have, in addition to the one uh, in Jonesboro, we have one in Rapid City, South Dakota. And these are for folks who work with people. Uh, you might be thinking, well, I'm not interested in coaching. That's not really something uh, I'm into. But I would say that anyone who deals with people uh, can learn something from these uh, coaching workshops. It's really learning about how to ask the right questions to help move people onto God's agenda. These coaching workshops will be uh, October 23rd and 25th. That's going to be the one in Jonesboro, Georgia. And then October 12th and 14th will be the one in Rapid City, South Dakota. All the information about both of these can be found at blackabycoaching.org slash workshop. Uh, there is um, a discount for early registration, and that goes through uh, the month of August. And so if you would like to attend one of these, uh, best to sign up sooner rather than later. Well, Richard, it's, uh, it's always a good idea to process. Um, and I, I know you've got a, a few more points to make on that. And one, you know, one question I have, and this may be getting ahead. And if it is, you're usually getting ahead of the game, Sam, you can stop me, but, (laughs) Oh, stop. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, what, you know, there's the the introspective processing that you do, that you do with the Lord, that you do with your your Bible open, pen and paper. Um, wh- where do you see the benefit of that versus um, a processing with others? And, uh, you know, because I could imagine there's church staff that, that come together after maybe some big program that they did or some new thing that they tried. Um, 
when is that you know yeah. when do you when do you I think that's certainly a part of it yeah. I think there's certainly internal processing which is a little more maybe I'm focusing on this time but but certainly external as well where you at a certain point also walk it through because there's no way you can necessarily see everything yourself uh, yeah. sometimes you're just you're too much in the woods there and you need someone that's got a not maybe as vested interest uh, if it's especially if it's your failure it's it's hard uh, to evaluate your failures completely objectively. Uh, yeah. But someone looking from afar, a little bit di- remote, removed, um, can see things differently. And so I think you're right. There's uh, some real value. It's somewhere in the process. I think sometimes it doesn't hurt to start yourself and mm-hmm. you know think it through and get as much as you can. But then I think before the process is entirely done, you want to also start yeah. uh, engaging with others as well. Because I've I've seen that a couple of times recently, you know, in in team meetings, it will we'll be discussing something. Not even that it's necessarily like, hey, we're gonna come and we're gonna process these things. But in the midst of just talking about uh, you know new things, new ideas, or um, stuff that we're doing, uh, new things happen. New perspectives get sort of opened up and I think better solutions come to the table. Yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, almost organically out of just that that back and forth with people. And you know, maybe that's just brainstorming, but also I think there is a, a certain amount of strength and and uh power that comes from having somebody else to process. Mm-hmm. Yeah. With. And I think processing is maybe just a little bit different sometimes than just normal even brainstorming, right. it, it is asking a series of questions and unpacking it and turning it upside down and really trying to dig deep, uh, asking hard questions and not accepting pat answers. And, you know, I think certainly, and we've, we've experienced this, uh, in times even like, uh, oftentimes say, say if you hire someone and then, uh, at some point that person leaves, uh, might be for the best of reasons, but all of a sudden there's a vacancy there. I think sometimes the the t- temptation often is, well, let's just hire someone like the last person. Let's just fill the slot. But sometimes mm-hmm. I think it doesn't hurt to say, yeah, but we've changed. Maybe that person worked for us for five years, and uh, and we're not the same organization we were when we hired them five years ago. We've got mm-hmm. different needs now, and maybe we've grown, or we need there's new things that need to be addressed. And so before we just quickly go out there and put a help wanted sign out there, maybe we need to really think through carefully. What is it we actually need? Maybe we don't even need to replace that person. Maybe we need something else or maybe we need two people or we need to uh, completely change the focus uh, with yeah. that uh, personnel. But that's processing. Sometimes that's done well with others as well. And and so, you know, I, we've, we looked at failures. I think successes as well. We don't tend to, to, to process successes as much. Failures are a lot more painful. And so if you do that, you really don't want to fail again but sometimes success we just assume if we were successful then wow well, just what's there, what's there to process yeah that's don't change a thing let's just keep doing that um yeah. but but sometimes we attribute success to the wrong things we assume mm-hmm. we even know why we had success yeah uh well we just had this event and and everybody boy people just turned out uh out of the woodwork for that and so let's just have more events like that but Maybe it Same wasn't time next year. Let's yeah, but maybe it wasn't even what why we think. You know, we mm-hmm. think it was because everybody likes that particular kind of potluck, and maybe 
it was actually the way we advertised it, or it was the time of year we did it, or it was something else. It was a couple of influencers that uh, really lent their influence at the key time. And, you know, I've seen that even uh, an interesting thing sometimes. I've seen this a number of times where a person experienced some success. And uh, one example I've seen play out a number of times is someone that maybe is a number two person, maybe an associate, and but they team up with a leader that really knows how to bring the best out of them. And they it's a leader that knows how to promote them or to maybe sometimes shield them a little bit uh, and make up for some of their weaknesses. And so they, they put them in a place where they can succeed. And so what happens sometimes is these guys who succeed, they don't necessarily process it very well. Yeah. And they just assume, hey, like I'm, I, I've got a brain. Look at, look at all the success I've had. Um, and so now I have an opportunity to go be the CEO myself or to go uh, and get out from under this guy's wings and kind of spread yeah. my own wings. But they don't realize, well, the very thing that made me successful, I'm now walking away from. Uh, when I was teamed with this guy who brought out my best and kind of protected my worst, I was in a place to flourish. But now I don't have him anymore. Now everybody's looking at me to have to provide the full deal. And I've known a number of people like that, that um, if, if they and, and I think that, you know, when you're looking at a promotion, when you're looking at going from being maybe an associate to being the president, for instance, um, that's a great time to process to say, well, I've been a very effective associate. Does that, as I process does that, that translate? does that mean that yeah. I'm now in a place I'd be a great CEO? Sometimes it does. You know, Joshua, certainly after 40 years of being Moses's associate, he was ready. Mm -hmm. But there's others that just are not wired that way. Uh, and certainly if God's not calling you to do that, if it's just your ego uh, that just wants to get the prominent position. And so I, I, I could tell you a number of stories of people I know that they were fortunate enough to link up with someone that, that understood them and understood how to get the best out of them and often protected the person without the person even really knowing all that was being done on their behalf. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, sometimes the associate actually gets resentful of the, of the boss. And so he just gets too much of the credit. And, uh, I, I'm the, really the one that, that, that made this happen. And so I'm going to go find my own place where I can be, uh, in the starring role and, and they get there and within a year or two, uh, it's over there and they're wondering what happened. Uh, why did things not work out for me? Uh, well, Sometimes it's because if they had processed their success, they would have realized, you know what, I'm in a really good place right now. <laughs> I, there's a great synergy. It's fine for me to be an associate. Uh, I, I feel like I get to do what I'm wired to do. But uh, instead, they don't process and they chase after success and they're not really prepared for it. Uh, another another thing you can process is, is other people's experiences. You know, it's I mean, you, you want to process your own. But sometimes it's, uh, we've said, better to process someone else's failure than to have to process your own. So yeah. when you see someone else failing or succeeding, um, take some time just to put, right, maybe jot down, just say, God, I just really, I think there's some lessons here for me. This person, I really respected. This person was doing really well, and then they just fell. They, maybe it was a moral failure. Uh, maybe it was an ethical failure. 
but what caused them? I never would have imagined that they would ever be susceptible to that. Why, Lord, what, what caused such a talented individual like that uh, to make such a horrible mistake, such a devastating decision that cost his company or his family so much? And, uh, and I, I watched my dad do that sometimes. You know, the, the word would come out of maybe a prominent Christian leader that had fallen. And uh, the, next, the next morning, I wasn't surprised if I saw dad up early in the morning with his notepad and his Bible saying, I just, I wanted to just process with God what's happening and why it is that some leaders can make such foolish decisions. And, uh, and then I wanted God to make sure that, that uh, between God and I, we had built safeguards into my life so that that wouldn't happen to me. Mm. And so I think, and that, of course, that's why it's also good to read biographies and you can do the same thing and not even leaders maybe that maybe led 200 years ago, but you you process uh, their successes and their failures and say, God, there's got to be lessons here for me if I, if I have eyes to see and ears to hear. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one other one that uh, also just scripture, there's always takeaways uh, with that as well. And you can, uh, as you're reading scripture, just that's why you always want to have a journal and a notepad. And as you're reading verses, uh, just to say, Lord, there's, um, there's stuff here. Uh, there, there are truths here that I think uh, apply to my life. I, you know, my dad one time was troubled uh, by a pastor that had come to a church, and then it just seemed like this guy was just destroying the church. Uh, it was all about him, and the church was uh, losing people, was losing money, attendance was was plummeting, and this guy. But he didn't. You, you would think the person would have drastically tried to change what he was doing because it was just devastating the church, but he wasn't. And I remember one time coming up, uh, meeting my dad one morning and he had his notepad out. He was processing and uh, he, he had been in John chapter 10. And in John chapter 10, it talks about there's the good shepherd who comes in and is willing to lay his life down for the sheep. But, but then it says, but beware of the thief who comes just to steal and to kill and destroy uh, beware of the hireling that is just in it for himself. And he doesn't care about the sheep. Uh, he doesn't care how many of them are destroyed. He just wants to get paid. He just wants what's in it for him. And my dad just had this very somber look on his face. And he said, you know, I just feel like that explains why some people are acting the way they do. They don't care if the church is destroyed. They don't care if people are turned off uh, of the gospel or the or the or Christianity they it's a career for them it's a way to earn a living mm-hmm. and uh, they don't care about how many sheep are harmed in the process and i just always remember i'm just kind of getting up rubbing my eyes out the sleep out of my eyes but dad was troubled with what he was seeing happening around him and he and he really wanted to process it and so he went to the bible and god began to to give him some answers and and so i you know i i, I would just encourage you uh, make a habit of having a notepad handy. And, and and there are just times where things will happen and, and it may just raise a question for you. And you might just say, why does this happen? Or how would how can I avoid having that happen to me? Uh, what what changes do I need to make? Um, I, th- I feel like I'm kind of stalled out in my leadership growth right now or in my career or maybe my walk with God. Uh, and so just write a question. God, what would it take? Uh, to revitalize my walk with you? Uh, what would it take for my leadership to go to another level? And then just 
keep some of those questions on that notepad and keep it with you. And as you are praying, uh, pray those questions to God. Ask him what he has to say. Or uh, every time you open your Bible, just keep those questions in front of you. And lo and behold, you may find that you're reading a verse and suddenly the lights go off and you realize, I think this is part of the answer right here. Mm. Uh, I, I, I went to my Bible with this series of questions and I think one of the, the answers was just given. And so write that down. And, uh, and it, it's not always just a one-time process. I mean, there, there's times I've had uh, some questions on a piece of paper in my Bible for even weeks or months where I, I felt like I was getting part of the answer, but I just felt like there's still more. And so maybe I need to take a couple of months and just keep that sheet of paper inside my Bible and just regularly as God just shows me more and more pieces of the puzzle and gives me deeper and deeper answers. Then there there comes a certain point where you look at that question and you look at what God's given you and you realize, okay, Lord, I think I've got a much better understanding now. I can maybe file that away, Uh, but then there'll always be something else. And so uh, with my dad and his prime pretty well any time I was with him, I could ask, so dad, what are you processing right now? And there was always something. He'd, he'd yeah. look up and he'd pull out his Bible and his notepad and he'd say, well, you know, I've really been asking the Lord about this, or I've really been troubled about that. And I'll tell you what, if you're constantly processing things in your life, you'll be constantly growing and you'll have some insights and some wisdom and some perspectives that other people will, will be constantly coming to you to get because they realize you're thinking differently than others. You're seeing things that others aren't seeing. You're having breakthrough thinking and attempting things that others have never even thought of doing. And a lot of that, I believe, comes by processing well. Yeah, well, and I have certainly seen you do that and, and model that and even how you approach Scripture. And I've always been uh, uh, just surprised by the the things that you'll pull out of, mm-hmm. of a passage that I, I remember even uh, before I really even knew you, I'd, I'd heard you uh, speak on Jonah. And it's like, I'd never, whatever it was that you'd pulled out of that, it was mm-hmm. like, I, I just had never seen that before. And I know you get that uh, feedback often and, and not to uh, inflate your ego, but uh, <laughs> I, I know that's something that you've modeled. And I think just taking the time to to yeah. process that's that's important. Asking so thank good you. questions all the time. You know, take a, a well known story and just keep asking questions you haven't maybe asked before. Yeah, might just uncover some things that yeah. you or maybe others have never seen before. Thanks for listening to the podcast. If this is something you enjoyed, it really makes a difference if you leave a review and a five star rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends. We always love hearing from our listeners. So email us at podcast at blackv.org.